0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Sick of being upsold at gyms. Hello everyone and welcome to History of the Great War Premium Episode Number thirteen. This episode is our third on the topic of railways during the war, and this episode will focus strictly on one railway project, although it is a big one. This project is the Berlin to Baghdad Railway, which was a joint project by Germany and the Ottoman Empire, both before and during the war. In fairness, it was not a project to build a railway from Berlin to Baghdad because the railways from Berlin to Constantinople already existed. Instead, it was a project to build a railway from Constantinople to Baghdad, and then on to Basra on the Persian Gulf. This was a large undertaking, and would have had to deal with the problematic terrain and the uncertain political situations in the Middle Eastern deserts at this time in history. However, there were big upsides for both parties participating in the construction. For Germany, they had several benefits, or objectives, when pouring the amount of money they did into construction. The first was that it would provide a direct route for Middle Eastern oil to find its way to Central Europe. This would keep it off the seas, and thereby keep it away from the Royal Navy, which was sure to play havoc with any oceanic shipping in the case of a war. The second reason was that it would simply allow Germany to play a larger role in Eastern Asian trade routes. This railway would allow them to siphon off a good amount of the trade that went on British ships, and also some German ships, around the Cape of Good Hope or through the Suez Canal. This would have economic benefits for both the German businesses, but also for the Ottoman Empire. The third reason for, for German support was to simply solidify their presence in the Ottoman Empire and in the Middle East. This was something that had been growing in the decades before the war, and the railway was seen as a logical next step in the process. For the Ottomans, they would definitely be benefiting out of the deal as well, if, if they could pull it off, of course. By getting economic backing from the Germans, the Ottomans were able to possibly complete this huge project that they never would have been able to by themselves. They just didn't have the money. And if it could have been completed, and without the war having started, it could have greatly increased their influence in the parts of the empire far from the capital, which were under the growing influence of the British Empire. While this all could have worked out so well, in the end it would be a long and expensive process which would fail. However, the story behind the failure of this huge engineering project, hampered as it was by international and internal politics and geographical realities, makes for an interesting story. It is impossible to tell the story of the project without also discussing international reaction to it, so that is where we will start. The entire situation was only possible to begin with because of how the other powerful countries of Europe had treated the Ottomans in the decades before the war. For the British, after 1882 and their invasion of Egypt, the the relationship between London and Constantinople had soured greatly. This was just amplified by the continued growth of British power in the Persian Gulf. For the French, the tension had grown while Paris had been continuing to buddy up to Russia. The French believed that this was the only way to stand against Germany. But from the Ottoman perspective, they knew that this meant that the French would be forced to support Russia's desire for conquests on the Black Sea and the capital itself. All of these actions gave the Germans the easy door to getting into the Ottomans And because, in reality, they just had no other option. Especially when it came to getting help against Russia, which was the primary concern. When it became known to the other countries that the Germans and Ottomans were beginning to work on this railway, the British were gravely concerned that this would affect their economic leadership in the Persian Gulf. The Russians were greatly concerned about anything good happening to the Ottomans at all, and the French were gravely concerned any time anything good happened for Germany their concerns were both economical and military in nature. On the economic side, there was a serious concern about the railway taking trade away from the British, especially the trade into Central, Eastern, and Northern Europe, which had previously been serviced through the Suez Canal. On the military side, the railroad would provide several benefits to both Germany and the Ottomans. As we have already mentioned, the availability of oil for Germany would be great for them, but it was also giving the Ottomans a greatly increased ability to move troops and material throughout their empire. In 1914, the Ottoman Empire, based in Constantinople, was only barely connected with all of its holdings in the Middle East. There were huge tracts of desert, which made it difficult to exert any real power over the Persian Gulf areas, as seen in the fact that the British, in many ways, had more real power on the Gulf than the Ottomans did in 1914. In our previous podcast, we've discussed how this made it difficult for the Ottomans to fully utilize these areas and their populations for the war. With a railway, they may have been able to partially rectify this situation. This also would have been a problem in the Levant, although less so due to the great lower geographical distance. A railway would allow the Ottomans to project power far better from the capital, and this would play a role in determining the course that the rails would actually end up taking, this goal of projecting power, even when it did not make sense uh, from an engineering perspective. One key concern was to keep the rails away from the Mediterranean, out of fear that if war started, that they would be taken by, say, a sea-based invasion from the British. Instead, they would be routed through eastern Anatolia, which was much more difficult, but would give the Sultan the ability to quickly move troops to these regions and deal with either an Armenian Rebellion, which was always a concern, or perhaps more importantly to meet a Russian invasion through the Caucasus, which is what would end up happening during World War I. All of these benefits were a concern for the three other nations, because they all had their eyes on some piece of the Ottoman Empire, if not strictly to capture and colonize, then at least to influence and control in a post-Ottoman world, which everyone was predicting to happen at some point in the future, and if they can complete this railway, maybe that future wasn't as close as they hoped. Unfortunately for the Germans and the Ottomans, the act of creating a railway was a far more difficult plan than they had hoped for. There were several challenges that they would have to overcome, the first one being simply monetary. In 1899, a German expedition did an estimate on how much the construction would cost for the route that was being proposed at the time and they came back with a number of $500 That was no small sum of money, and it was difficult to just make it appear. It would take years to arrange that sum, and it would take a special type of guarantee for investors so that they would get paid for each section of the line that was completed, so that they would have to shoulder far less risk, since it would have been almost impossible to see any return otherwise, so they would get paid per kilometer of track laid. Confidence and profitability for this whole enterprise was not helped when the same scouting expedition that gave the cost estimate also reported that they believed that it would not turn a profit anytime soon due to recurring repair and security costs that would be necessary to keep it running at all. It would not be until 1903 that everything was in order and construction would begin. This caused them to run into the second problem, which was geographical. Since the sultan did not want the line running along the Mediterranean, which would have been the simplest and cheapest of all of the available routes, he had one that was more challenging. To go along with this, there were some problems that were just inevitable for any large construction project in the Middle East. For example, almost all of the steel had to be imported all the way from Germany, and then simple items like wood and labor, even unskilled labor, had to be imported from outside the empire. These challenges would become much greater as they moved further and further away from Constantinople, since things would just have to be transported further and further as time went on. Then there were the set of problems unique to the areas that the rails would run through, and this was partially due to where the Sultan wanted the rails to run. In Anatolia, it would be going through areas that were underdeveloped, however they were reasonably flat and this would allow construction to proceed reasonably quickly. But then they would run into the Taurus mountain range, which would be a very different story. And here their problems would seem at times insurmountable. Just one tunnel that was needed, one of many, was through the Gavel Agi, or Infidel Mountain, which was composed almost entirely of solid quartz, a very hard and resilient stone. This would destroy drill beds extremely fast, eventually chewing through thousands and thousands of them. While this alone would have been problematic under any circumstances, it was even worse when considering the economic aspects of it. By 1914, with hundreds of kilometers of tracks finished, most of the tunnels still weren't, preventing the usage of large tracks of the rail since they were segmented by these tunnels. Then, once they got past the mountains, the problems were not over, as they would then find themselves in Syrian and Mesopotamian deserts, which were just miles and miles of undeveloped country, often populated by groups of nomads and bandit groups known for their tendency to prey on passerby, like, say, trains loaded with economic goods. This means that they would have to be defended, both during construction and after, which would cost yet more money. You can see that a lot of these concerns are coming back to money. The construction of the railway would be broken into a few different phases, due mostly to the varying degrees of internal strife in the empire after 1908. The first phase saw the construction of 200 kilometers of what would be the easiest area of construction, but it still only represented about one-tenth of the total distance. It cost the Ottoman government about 54 million francs, a sum that would take about 98 years for them to repay, which would be a huge burden on the country for decades. The round of construction was slow, and then it was halted in 1905 due to money issues, and there would even be serious discussions about stopping it for good, even though all that had been accomplished was the creation of 200 kilometers of track into Anatolian wastes that basically ran right up into the mountains. The second biggest cause for this delay was the friction between the Ottomans and the Germans due to the route that had been chosen by the Sultan, which he would not budge on, even though it was making construction vastly more expensive. He also had another thing that he wanted and this was for the rails to be built in consecutive sections starting in the east and going west to maximize his control over the process. This made things difficult because step two of the construction was into the mountains. Everybody knew that this section was going to be very expensive and they were okay with it in the long run. They thought it would be worth it. However, they were planning on building tracks on the other side of the mountains at the same time to try and start making some money off this thing as fast as possible. Since the Sultan was not allowing them to start this construction, the railroad would continue to be a giant money pit for years, instead of having at least some local transport in Mesopotamia and Syria, to offset a fraction of the losses. This problem would take some time to resolve, since it required talking the Sultan out of what he wanted, which was always a challenge. Unfortunately, just as these efforts were beginning to make progress, the ground under the Sultan began to shift. By 1908, the entire world had written off both the Ottomans and the Sultan, but Germany had stuck with him. However, in 1908, it became clear that the political crisis was reaching its peak, and the resulting takeover by the young Turks would find German support, since it was the only real path forward for them. The shift continued the pause in construction for another two years, due to just general instability. It would finally resume in 1910, and when it did, there would be a huge difference. Instead of having to focus construction on just one area at a time, they began construction along the entire planned route simultaneously. This meant that from Anatolia to Baghdad, work was happening all at the same time, and there were thousands of workers on the payroll of the Baghdad Railway Company making it happen. This would be the most profitable period of pre-war construction, and just as it was gaining speed, there were multiple international incidents that caused construction to slow, topped off by that little incident in Sarajevo in 1914. The first two interruptions were in the form of the Italian and Balkan Wars from 1911-1913. to These were problematic because they greatly interfered with shipping supplies from Europe to the construction sites in the empire. These conflicts also caused huge spikes in both the cost and in the transportation of the supplies to where they were needed. While these interruptions were bad, they paled in comparison to the First World War. When the war came, work did not stop, even though there were labor, material, and money shortages caused by the conflict. In some ways, the war resulted in Germany gaining more control over the railway, especially after the Ottoman Declaration of War in 1914 and by that time they had completed about half of the planned length, with 1,104 of 2,190 kilometers completed. Just this sheer distance was coupled with the opening of one of the Taurus Mountains' tunnels and one of the large steel bridges planned to span the Euphrates. All of these were done at roughly the same time, and that was very encouraging and pointed to a positive future. Unfortunately, 1914 and early 1915, would be the high point of fortunes for the railway, as after that point the rail would begin affecting construction in a more negative way as time went on. Before the wheels would completely come off of construction later in the war, we should probably talk about how the construction interacted with the Armenian Genocide. We talked about the genocide quite a while ago in the main show, but it involved the deportation of millions of Armenians from their homes and into Syria, Mesopotamia, and other parts of the Ottoman Empire. This hit the railway in two ways. The first was the increased traffic on the rails, as some of the very lucky Armenians were able to pay for a ticket on the rails instead of having to walk. These tickets were not luxurious by any stretch of the imagination, and they were extremely overpriced for what amounted to standing room-only accommodations in freight cars, often with animals and war supplies. The unlucky ones had to walk the hundreds of kilometers through desolate deserts, where thousands of them would die. This was a tragedy, but it was also logistically problematic for the Ottomans. These bodies, even those that were alive, clogged the rails, railway stations, and generally just got in the way and slowed everything down. It slowed the transport of goods and other material on the completed rails, both for the Ottoman army and for continued construction. The Ottomans had a real problem trying to fix this. They also had issues of another sort, trying to solve the second problem, which was that the Armenians were a critical source of skilled and unskilled workers for the construction teams on the railroads. It was only this problem that would cause the Germans to come into action against the deportations. The problem was that the Armenian workers and their families were not exempt from the first round of deportations started in May 1915. This caused similar problems as what was happening back in Europe, with skilled workers being drafted out of the factories and onto the front. Huge gaps were left with no one to fill the holes left by the departure of their Armenians in the engineering and construction crews. This caused the Germans to request that 848 skilled workers be exempted for at least four years so that construction could continue on pace. This concern escalated all the way up from the railway company to the German government and then on to Falkenhayn, who sent his own message directly to Enver Pasha. Quote, "...I request your support in making easier the retention of skilled personnel for the Baghdad Railway Company, which would be greatly endangered through the deportation of Armenian employees during the war." Quote. It should be noted, and it seems clear from the message, that the Germans were not against the deportation of the Armenians due to any moral objections, but instead strictly as a practical matter of trying to get the project done on schedule. In terms of concrete ramifications All of these problems, the disruption of supplies and transport, got so bad that the second planned offensive against the Suez Canal had to be called off entirely. If you remember, the Ottomans had made their first attack across the Sinai, and it actually made it to the canal before being thrown back by the British. Well, there was another effort planned that unfortunately never got off the ground due to rail issues, caused at least partially by the Armenians. Regardless of how much money and effort was put in before and during the war, the railway would not end up being completed by the time the conflict ended. The wheel started to come off in 1916, when a combination of local manpower shortages due to constant military drafts, the rising cost of construction, and enemy activity all combined to cripple construction. One sign of this was a warning from the German ambassador in Istanbul to the German government, That there was little chance of Turkey ever paying back, not just its railway debts, but everything that the Germans had loaned to it during the war, which by 1916 was no small sum. The Baghdad Railway Company director advised Bank to turn over the whole affair to the Turks instead of taking on any further debt, even if it meant that everything up to that point had to be written off as a loss. These are huge things. At this point, it was only Deutsche Bank subsidies backed by the German government that was keeping construction going at all, so this would have completely killed the whole project. Even with German money coming in, they could not stop a large part of the German employees from leaving, and the railway company was basically becoming bankrupt. The crappy part of all this was that they had actually completed most of the railway in terms of mileage by this point, at least to Baghdad, and if this would have occurred in peacetime, it's likely that there would have been no problem getting the money to complete it. However, there were still two sticky wickets that remained before it could become fully operational, and these were the tunnels in the Taurus and Armenus Mountains in Anatolia. These would still require expensive and time-consuming efforts before the lines on either side could be linked together something that the Germans in the last few years of the war did not want to pay for, since by that point, the utility of the entire project was in question, due to wartime developments in the Balkans. The Ottomans were also in no state to take on the work themselves, especially after the British-Palestinian campaign of 1917. Therefore, construction just sort of ended, faded away. Who knows if things would have changed during the war if the railway had been completed before hostilities started, Maybe Ottoman actions would have been bolstered by increased supplies to Baghdad and the Gulf. Maybe the British invasion never happens. Or what if a war would not have happened at all? Maybe the economic benefits of a completed railway would have propelled the Ottoman Empire out of its decline that it had been in for centuries, stabilizing it as one of, if maybe not a great European power, at least a second-tier one, a stable one, maybe? As it was, many of the tracks still remain today after being handed over to the Allies at Versailles, and then to the new nations into which the Middle East was carved into after the war. Many of the original stations still exist in one form or another. Overall, it's a physical legacy of a German empire trying to expand its influence into a part of the world mostly foreign to it, and a dying empire struggling to keep control of what it had left.